0: Alicia Harris, your host of Buzzworthy. Join me as I sit down with entrepreneurs to talk about their innovative businesses and their unique stories. Remember to follow us on social at Hamilton Hive on all platforms and don't forget to rate our podcast. Let's jump into today's story. Hey everyone, today we're with Emily O'Brien, founder of Comeback Snacks, and Emily has an incredible story which takes us behind bars where she was incarcerated for some time, but this is where Comeback Snacks was born. The idea, the concept, and even product development. But Emily will take us into that story as she tells us a bit more about Comeback Snacks and what she wants it to be and what it represents to her as an entrepreneur. So Emily, tell us What set you up to be an entrepreneur? To be quite frank, I don't know. Um, I was, you know,
1: five, six, seven years old, and I always was curious, and I would discover new things and, like, build things in my own way. I didn't even know what the word entrepreneur meant. But looking back, like, at all my, like, patterns and actions, I was always creative to find my own solutions. Um, You know, whether that was making, like, quirky projects in art class or finding an escape out of things like because if you're an entrepreneur you can find your way out and you can find your way in um so I think you know that that's like the basis of it but then in high school I always like had jobs and I loved like having the freedom of like my own income Mm -hmm. to like spend on things that I want to build so I my first job I think was delivering newspapers for the Hamilton Spectator Oh, wow. Um, and then I was like, I don't know, 10. And I would lug around this entire wagon and just because I was like, I want to buy these chocolate bars because my mom was so healthy. Love her. Love you, mom. But like, I want chocolate bars. <laughs> and so that was like my first like stint at, you know, entrepreneurialism. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just like a zest for creativity and finding solutions and recognizing that my best traits were when I like came out the most when I could harness those
0: things. Yeah. If that makes sense. I, I completely agree with you because I think the word entrepreneur is like synonymous for problem solver and mm-hmm. solutions and Being innovative and thinking in different ways and challenging Mm -hmm. the status quo and you obviously had a lot of that experience coming up and I know we always have to shout out to our parents that gave us those opportunities whether we fought for them and they just let us have them or (laughs) you know they gave us exposure to them in some way shape or form and I think um, that's huge so Mm. shout out to all the parents parents. that are supporting their um, kids and any little thing that teaches them responsibility um and allows them to have that freedom to find solutions to different problems mm-hmm. and with that emily so you had this really interesting background that you know hindsight's always 2020 um what actually got you started into entrepreneurship tell us what got
1: you there so my first official business was when I lived in Toronto and it was a social media company called gather and this is because I would I spent all of my money like not all of it but a lot of my disposable income on I don't know why it's called disposable because it was you know I it it was an appreciating income like Mm -hmm. I learned so much from it but um I was always so inspired by where I went and what I learned and how it humbled me and just made me so comfortable with the art of exploring And so my first company, yeah, it was was a social media business. So, like, I would take pictures and share other people's stories because people loved the way that I shared mine. Mm -hmm. And I did that. I loved it. You know, I could get up, you know, 8 or 9 every day or sometimes 11 and go out at night. And, like, there's always some element of my work that was intertwined with every single thing that I did. Mm-hmm. And then so, you know, following the, the incident, I kind of used that experience to build something different.
0: Yeah. What was the light bulb moment when you were behind bars that really brought you to this idea that eventually became Comeback Snacks?
1: For sure. So when I pleaded guilty to importing narcotics, which was my sentence, and a lot of people asked, that, they're like, oh, what happened? What'd you do? You know, and I'm, I'm very open about this because like everyone else or most people I didn't think it could happen to me I didn't wake up being like I want to you know profit off of you know someone else's substance use like that that was not me Mm -hmm. um and so when I was in prison I knew that I had to fight for my voice but also but I also want to like fight for my own recalibration of my future Mm -hmm. and in prison where I was, I was in Grand Valley Institution for Women, and that was a medium to minimum security facility. There was maximum, but they were all kind of separated. And so we all cooked our own food. And food was something that brought people together. Mm -hmm. And people would talk about their lives and their stories and how they felt so misunderstood. But nothing else mattered in, in prison when you just connected over food. Like, you were all one. Pretty much, and it was also like another element of this was that I was healing from an eating disorder. Like people would tell me, "Oh, when was your first drink?" And I'm like, "I don't know, six when I had my first Kool Aid," you know, because uh, I like I love sugar was like my first drink, mm-hmm. and then it turned into like an eating disorder in high school, and then so I would do I would substitute substances like alcohol and cocaine to like curb this eating thing that I had, you know, anorexia, bulimia, all that shit, and people say oh you know you had you had everything like what went wrong and sometimes you, d- you don't know mm-hmm. right um i'm sure there's like clips so of this can be, that can be like you know put in different parts but in prison i i knew that i could heal by creating a snack for myself in prison where i wouldn't reinstigate or hopefully wouldn't reinstigate those like behaviors um or have like a like a micro relapse and also figure out like what people's Insecurities were other than mine because mm-hmm. I wasn't the only one that was there, and I wasn't the only one that mattered. Everyone in there mattered, and so I guess the light bulb moment was when all the lights were off, and I had this little this little notebook beside my bed, and it was I, that's all I did. I wrote notes all the time. I like would get all the free notebooks from like chaplaincy program, and I would I would think I was like okay, how can I turn like this food idea into something that actually makes a difference, mm-hmm. and I kind of thought about it, and I was like, okay, like, yes, there's lots of popcorn companies, sure,
0: mm-hmm. but... But why popcorn?
1: Because popcorn was a popular prison snack, mm-hmm. and you could buy, like, the kernels off the canteen, and then mm-hmm. you could buy, like, various spices off the, um, like, the food catalog. Okay. But you had a very strict budget per week. It was, like, $37.01. Mm-hmm. And I always loved popcorn. You know, I loved going to the movies uh, when I was younger, and I knew that popcorn could be something that I could snack on that was healthy or like ish mm-hmm. um, that would help me cope, yeah. and then I saw that it helped others cope.
0: That's amazing, and it's it's really it's really insightful to see you um, kind of look back on that moment mm-hmm. because you're saying, well, the light bulb moment was when the lights were off, and it's those moments that you have to yourself where things kind of click and come together and say, wow, here is an opportunity. And I'm sure when it first came to you, like you said, it was just a coping mechanism. But then it became what to you? What, what drove that further motion towards a business?
1: Because it wasn't a business at first. It was an idea to create a platform for people to share their stories and change our own lives, every mm-hmm. single one of us, mm-hmm. and... I realized that at that point, I was very lucky. Um, Incarceration, like, there's so much to talk about. And, like, obviously, we can't cover it in this hour that we have. But I knew that I was lucky because my parents bailed me out of jail. Mm -hmm. Did I get off easy? No, I didn't. Um, You know, I still got the tough love. It wasn't like, oh, it's okay, Emily, it's fine. No, things were not like that. But if my parents didn't have that $50,000 in assets to bail me out, I would have been just seen as guilty and since like i was born my parents always taught me to help others and be kind and learn from people and so i think all of those things that i was raised to do and that i realized why they were doing it all came to the forefront when i was in when i was in prison
0: yeah yeah cuz you had a lot of time like like we were saying is to reflect mm-hmm. and so now that you have this, you know, great coping mechanism and you wanted to share people's story, how did that, you know, how did that translate on the inside? Because, you know, a lot of people don't necessarily like their stories yeah. shared. Um, it's a shameful thing to talk about. And I'm glad you're open and honest about it. And, um from you know from a viewpoint of a lot of people like you had a great support system mm-hmm. and i you recognize that and i think that's really huge to to really identify with because you took that support system and that can really help you transform your life. Mm-hmm. And that's what you really did with it. So, but going back to the popcorn <laughs> itself, I know I'm, I'm obsessed with popcorn. And oh. so like when I first I heard your some. story, um, we couldn't snack that much here. Oh. But after the facts, I'll grab some from you. Um, you had a great support system that allowed you to you know, sort of be more reflective, not necessarily stress about a lot of external things, and you you became very comfortable telling your story. But a lot of people aren't comfortable telling their stories. When you approach them to tell their stories with popcorn, how did you do that?
1: I guess to start, like I wasn't comfortable sharing my story at first. Um, but I fought for that. Like I've always been feisty right? And we can all use our feistiness to do really good or really bad. And no one in my family like was an entrepreneur. So like, I, it's not like it was genetic, right? I was just the way that I was. And I didn't know why, but it was the way that I was. Mm-hmm. And so my story, yes, but also I, I truly believe that everyone was so misunderstood because when you read something in the paper or in the media, They don't share, like, for the – they only share for their own benefit, Mm -hmm. right? It's, like, how many clicks can we get? This is not – and, like, don't get me wrong. The media has been great to work with on my end. Um, But, yeah, it was definitely, like, a testy – not testy, but people were kind of like, oh, you sure? You know, there's no money in popcorn. You're going to be a little popcorn girl. Like, you know, and it was so risky, and I'm like, perfect, sign me up, right? (laughs) Because – when you get challenged with things, like I, I was always athletic. I played on like competitive sports. And so you learn things about offense, defense, technical fouls, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Sitting on the bench.
1: So I think all those things that I learned in sport applied to this experience, which is like fight for things when you know you're good at it. Yeah. Um,
0: and you'll win. Yeah. And... And that's 100% true. I, I'm very much that way. Whereas someone says, you can't do this, I'm like, all right, how do I prove you wrong? Let's go. Mm-hmm. And then I start, you know, that's the beginning. That's motivating to me. And your motivations are obviously very similar. And so as you're going through this process of like identifying, you know, popcorn's a great snack to kind of, you know, get your mind off of things, cope through them oh wait no popcorn kept my mind on things
1: okay it, yeah it wasn't coping okay. or moping I think it was like seeing something that like made me actually want to do something about it
0: mm-hmm. all right
1: because I already coped and that's what landed me in prison I coped with substances I coped with yeah alcohol cocaine and hiding and escapism all those things so it was it wasn't really coping but it was more Creating and healing, I would think.
0: Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes, honey. So, yes, creating and healing, and this is where you started creating <laughs> comeback snacks, literally. Yeah. Um, and so you had thirty six dollars. Um, I I think thirty seven dollars and one cent. Mm-hmm. Like that one cent is so important. Um, that's that's really that's a little bit funny to me, but, um, thirty seven dollars and one cent to use at your canteen um on a budget like that like how did you start you know developing your product on the inside and testing it because that's something we talk about as entrepreneurs a lot mm-hmm. how do you test your product with an audience that's not necessarily going to just be biased towards you but give you really good feedback take us through that
1: so when i kind of had that light bulb moment in the dark I told my family and and friends, and one of my great friends, his name was Ryan, and he was like, Emily, like, this is a great idea. It wasn't just a popcorn business, but it was like a social enterprise, right? So it was like something that we're, yes, you create a business, but you use part of that business to amplify a platform and amplify voices. And And what was that platform Um, What we have now? Mm -hmm. Oh, we have we have social media. Like we created like a a website when I was still inside. Like he would create a website for us, and I would write articles um, and ship them out to him, mail them out, and he Mm -hmm. would post them on the website. He would also send me in like you know food trends. Uh, There was a library in there, so I read like eighty two books, and also with that the librarian she was great. Like I was very like intrigued about, okay, are is this actual facts or is this just something that i want to do because i think i'm right Mm
0: -hmm.
1: right and we always think you know because that's a common flaw it's like oh i think i'm right but do i have any proof
0: yeah you have your own personal bias right yeah
1: Mm -hmm. and so with my education i went to university i was like i know how to like find like scholarly articles like i know there's someone else that has like a phd that has written about this Mm -hmm. so she would print me off all these articles and i start to like build my case um so building the case with data stats reading books, building a website, like a landing page. And then we started to gather, like, an email list. And I'd write letters to authors of the books that I read. And be like, hi, my name's Emily. Like, I'm in prison. And, and I just wrote down everything. I wrote down so much. Like, my coming out of prison, I had, like, a, like stacks full of books. Like, wow. like my, of my own notebooks. And then also, in prison, there were, like, volunteers that would come in and help. And so these were, you know, citizens from the community. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay. Um, I want to connect with you when I'm on the outside. So I just use my social skills to ask and kind of find out more information, see if this is realistic.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I just kind of kept going, you know?
0: Yeah. <laughs> but as you, I think what you really did here was... You, you had an idea and then you brought other people in mm-hmm. and other people start to see your vision and you started to build this team around you mm-hmm. that supported your concept and not just your concept because you're validating it with actual research and, mm-hmm. you know, you're communicating with people that aren't even necessarily a part of what you're trying to do, but you're keeping yourself motivated, you're keeping your spirits high in the entire process. And then once you've gone through all of that analytics and you know, you're know you building this website with, with Ryan on the side, mm-hmm. how did you start your product development internally and how did that happen to be like a team activity and different <laughs> things like that? Yeah, of course. So in prison,
1: um, it was mostly just me that did it. Like, I, I talked to, like, my other friends about it, and they, and they loved it. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was just me, like, kind of – because everyone has their own shit going on. Like, everyone – like, I was – I didn't have – kid. like, most – like, 80% of women in prison are mothers, right? So, like, if I was ever a mom, I know that I'd want to see my kid first. That, that would be all I cared about. And so everyone has things that they are focusing on that mm-hmm. are priority prior, – priorities, okay, priorities to them. Yeah. <laughs> and, but,
0: I am, um, yeah. This was your priority. This was yeah. your child. Yeah. You know? Yeah. This is the one thing that kept you focused and kept you going. And mm-hmm. um, when would you find time to do this? Like, you, because obviously you needed time and space, and we know you were in a low to medium um, facility, mm-hmm. um, what was what was your day like? Like, you woke up and you're just like, yes, I'm going to do product development today, <laughs> going to test out some spices on some popcorn. <laughs> How did you go about that? So
1: prison is definitely still prison. Like, if you're max, medium, or minimum, you're still incarcerated. You're still owned by the state. Everything that you do is documented, and it's, it's prison. It's very militarized, 100%. So there's there's noth- nothing, like, fluffy about it, but I do have to say that when I was in there, like, I had I still had, like, things that I had to do as part of my reintegration program, mm-hmm. but I just was, like, everything that I saw, every person that I met, um, it wasn't for my own agenda, because I didn't know if that agenda was, not agenda, but, like, it was just, like, I just wanted to learn, right? I wanted to learn so much, because I saw how cruel some people in... On the other side can be, and yeah, so I would I, if I went to like an AA group, I would like talk to people there and learn about their stories, and I would learn different languages. I like took at the music program. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it wasn't nece- necessarily building a team that I w- like was like, oh, this is all comeback snacks, but it was more like collecting and just seeing all these different stories and different paths of life. That made me want to do it more because I realized how lucky I
0: was. Yeah. So take us to that moment after, you know, the light bulb. You know, you have a really strong support system and you're ready to develop this product because you've done some analytics. You're just like, I think I have something here. How do I start developing popcorn um that is really tasty, that's gonna help me heal. that's gonna make me feel great about myself. And uh, you know, you know, I have something to look forward to after all of this. Take us through that. Of course. So
1: there was a bunch of spices that we could get off the like the food budget. You could like paprika, chili, dill, lemon, lemon pepper, um cinnamon sugar. And one day there was like, well, it wasn't one day. It was the Super Bowl um, party from, it was, like, two thousand like eight mm-hmm. And everyone was, you know, making things. And we would take spice, like, lemon pepper dill, and put it on the popcorn. And someone else brought, like, cinnamon sugar and Splenda and put it on popcorn. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is actually so good. And then I began to, like, really think about it. I was like, why aren't there any popcorn companies? I mean, like, I know I'm in prison, so I can't, like, validate this thought without extensive research but are there any popcorn companies that are just more than a snack like is there any more than that like are there any companies that do more than just pop popcorn yeah basically and I knew from a cost standpoint I mean don't get me wrong like I couldn't even get into university for like the program I want to because my math wasn't good enough <laughs> Um, like biochemistry, no, got denied, which is funny because like, look where I am now. Yeah. Um. Crunching all the numbers. Yeah. Well, (laughs) try to crunch, crunch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and then, yeah, I was like, okay, lemon pepper dill is really good on popcorn. It was like nothing I'd ever tasted before. And yeah, so combining, combining like the unique spices with like the element of a relatively low raw cost like raw goods cost which Mm -hmm. again kernels are cheap (laughs) yes yeah Yeah. well relatively until you like actually start like building the business but still relatively cheap i wasn't building an app where i needed like you know 100 million dollars in investment to get going Mm -hmm. so and popcorn was also something that most people knew about that were that was relatable that was eaten all over the world and so i took all all of those elements and that was when i knew that i could build something with it mm-hmm. and so the first original recipe was lemon pepper dill and the second mm-hmm. one um which was formerly called jailhouse cheese i bought craft dinner off the canteen and used a cheese powder on the popcorn
0: wow yeah and how was that good. good good do you still have the flavor around
1: actually it's really interesting because our first two savory flavors that we launched mm-hmm. you know things have gone like a little bit differently from like the initial conception point, but lemon pepper dill and triple cheese were our first savory flavors, and those go back to the original flavors in prison that kind of got this all going.
0: Wow. That's, that's so impressive. I'm sure Kraft, who I worked for in oh. the past, would love to hear <laughs> that. Yeah.
1: You know, I was like, oh, can't say Kraft or like, can't, like, call, <laughs>
0: don't have the licensing, I've already been in enough trouble with the law, <laughs> you know. But, but that's really interesting, and, and that's, I think, that's the creativity, and that's the problem solving that, that naturally comes out for an entrepreneur, right? We know this is something we already love, mm-hmm. you know, how do we use it in another way, and like, That in itself is innovation. Like innovation isn't something that, you know, has to be groundbreaking. We found a new star in the universe that has so much power, whatever that is. I mean, I have no idea about stars and powers, but but it's just, you know, it's just that ability to see something and see utility and get utility out of it, which I think is so entrepreneurial of you. And so you have these two flavors that got you started once you were out. Um, Why did people start to buy into you? Tell, Tell us about how you got this going with these two savory flavors.
1: I think it all started with, I'm sorry, but this is my story. And it all started with me being honest about, you know, what I, how I got there, but also the fact that, like, you don't need to be around every single bell, bell and whistle resource to create, Mm -hmm. um, some of the best books have been written by individuals that have been locked in solitary for 30 years, right? Innocent. So you can create so much in your, like, the brain, the brain is like its own world. And even though we might have, like, physical limitations, we don't have mental ones necessarily. Mm And that's what I I started with. And I also knew that coming out of prison, like, I didn't want this to be something that people would hold against me because they they would call me, oh, like, oh, I have this dirt on you, right? We live in a world that's like that, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, right? So I was like, no one's going to own this shit but me. And I know that I can help other people. And I know it's not going to be easy. And I think because I went out there and I knew despite, like, the privilege that I had that I was going to get, you know, heat for that, I didn't care, because at least I was, like, owning my truth and owning everything that happened with it. Yeah. But at least no one could say that I didn't speak up about it.
0: And, you know, I think, I think something that, you know, you haven't touched on, but there are natural barriers that happens. There are additional barriers that happen for anyone that comes out of prison. Like, you... Every every employer runs a background check on you. Yeah. You know, getting employment becomes even harder, depends on what you do or regardless. But that's that shame you carry with you. Um, and that's what you chose not to carry, ultimately. Mm-hmm. And you owned your story, and you decided that this wasn't going to hold me back. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I can't go and do whatever I want because my background check isn't going to pass for companies how can i create my own opportunity because otherwise you're left with not the greatest of opportunities because people aren't willing to give you a chance because you're already stigmatized yeah yeah and that that i think is is what makes your story like incredible because i think you recognize a lot of things whether you you knew it like to the forefront of your mind or it was all subconscious um i think you recognize that these were all challenges that you had to overcome and you knew well i mean you just chose a different challenge of being an entrepreneur which challenge show, like chose me yeah <laughs> i don't know if it's um it's it's that much different in any way or the you know how heavy the challenge is like no one can really say um but but you chose you chose a different challenge and decided to really own your future
1: yeah, yeah, and it was good. Like sometimes you just have to be—you have to be sad. You have to feel. You have to feel feelings for hurting people, and I did. I hurt my family so much. They had nothing to do with this, right? And I, in the beginning, I didn't think I did either. You know, like I was like, it was my fault. So that was another part of my motivation. Was like, oh my god, like, <laughs> my parents are like so kind, and they had to give me tough love. So that was definitely a, another like step on the ladder to.
0: You know, going up. Yeah, yeah. So now that you're out, mm-hmm. you have these two amazing snacks. Um, what's next? How did you come up with the name for Comeback Snacks?
1: Well, it's a funny story because originally it was called Cons and Kernels. And this also goes into, like, my product development in prison mm-hmm. because I, I had, like, all these, like, ideas. And I asked people, like, what their ideas were. Like, what should I call this? And I would print out the options on a piece of paper and it was like, oh, PopCon was one. And then people were like, oh, no, PopCon's an artist. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that. You know, and there was, a, 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 I guess, like five or six other options. And the first one was that they chose was cons and kernels. And I was like, okay, I love that because, you know, it talks about us. And it mm-hmm. talks about what we're doing. But as I kind of transitioned into the community, uh, people were like, oh, we don't want to buy, like, popcorn from convicts. And not everyone, but I felt that it limited our capacity and our abilities and our talents, it, it began to be a hindrance to the growth of the business. Progressive, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because everyone makes mistakes, mm-hmm. but everyone can make comebacks. But yeah. everyone also has the right to use their voice. And they don't. Mm-hmm. That's it. that's it. And that's
0: why Comeback
1: Snacks is the name you landed yes. on. Yes. And that way we can also expand into other categories. So instead of being cons and kernels,
0: mm-hmm.
1: kernels is one thing, right? It's corn. Yeah. But comeback Snacks, you can diversify it into, like, so many different areas. Like, yeah. sports. It can be juice. It can be shoes, right? Like.
0: Yeah. Because um, we're snacking around the clock these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean... I, I did a little bit of research. I mean, I didn't do it. My great um co op student, sorry, did some really great research. And what we saw was between twenty seventeen and twenty twenty eight, like the market for popcorn is literally gonna double. Mm-hmm. And you're right in sort of that beginning stages of like where this where this stat came from. What do you think you are going to be doing right right now and into the future that's going to help you double or even triple your growth to, like, be on par with market trends? Um,
1: What am I going to do right now? Well, we're actually talking to co-packers in the U.S. Mm-hmm. to help us manufacture yeah. as well. But I don't want to do the popcorn if I don't help people along the way and like Mm -hmm. once you get into business and you get growth a lot of people that say they want to help are just concerned about the bottom line um but they don't know about something called emotional profit and i call that money for the soul Mm
0: -hmm. and like when you
1: help people and you let people help you and you become a listener and you have an even playing field that's when you can be truly rich and so yeah as, as you grow you can't be obsessed with financial growth you have to remember why you started it it's like okay what am i doing as we grow the popcorn sales like how are we helping people that including myself and the families of people like myself come back from
0: this yeah when you started growing your business how like what were some of the things that you had to do and once you got really great traction from the community
1: what i have to do like at the beginning yeah research um pop endlessly in my mom's kitchen you know she'd come home from work and it would just be like popcorn everywhere um, but luckily I because of like how I shared the story with the media like we had tremendous community support um, because stories like this can touch everyone in in different ways it can be like their daughter or them and so we had donations of like okay here's like 2500 dollars in free labels or like do you want to come? have a table at this event for free so you don't have to pay for table space because all those costs add up. Mm -hmm. And then um, our first, like, kitchen was at this store called the Horn of Plenty in Dundas. Mm -hmm. And they saw my skills, like, from my former business gather and they're like, okay, like, if you want to do social media for this, like, new product we have, you can have our kitchen space for free, right? So it just, it's a community-built thing. And there's so many pieces to this puzzle, but it's not a puzzle anymore, you know? It's just something that's great and exists and that people want to be a part of because they realize that we've all been in in situations, physical prison or not,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but we've all needed support to get out of them, no matter who you are how, or where you are.
0: Yeah. Right? I think, like, you definitely... I know you recognize how great um, that that traction was coming through from the media after the story, but... That community, and I think that's something very unique of Hamilton. I've lived in quite a few cities, and Hamilton's still a sizable city, and but it still has this very community feel, and, and I think that's what you experience, and that goes back to what a strong support system can really do for someone. To, to take them to different places. Mm-hmm. And with that community support and just with you, yourself, being able to barter your services for other things that you were getting access to, you know, I'll do your social media if you <laughs> give me popcorn space. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's huge. That's you being really scrappy as, a, as an entrepreneur. And I think those are the moments when you know you really love what you do and you're really mission based. And when it comes to, you know, really selling your business, um, knowing the background that you have, but even after the community, some people will still have reservations. I mean, now you're at 600 plus locations. How did you grow the business from, you know, a few people in Hamilton that supported you to then a bit of a boom with, you know, the media release Mm -hmm. and now up to 600 customers.
1: Yeah. I would say just tackling multiple channels because once you realize it's not just about food, it's about empowering people that applies to everyone. So you can talk in, in classes, you can, you can go to any kind of event. I would, I would sponsor like small events and like make these little bags and I would – people would message me. They'd send emails being like, oh, well, you know, you don't know me, but, like, so and is going through this. And I would help them. I would be like, okay, I'm not an expert, but it's just giving your insight and, like, trying to help, like, knowing that they're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so that's how it grew. It's, like, not by just popcorn, but, like, investing in, in people and the families that they're part of to make them whole again.
0: Yeah. And now these people that are finding you at these, you know – events that you're sponsoring, whether how big or small they are, but you're also in like some bigger chains. What big chains are you in?
1: So right now we're in the middle of two, they're called in and outs. So with mm-hmm. the big chains, you have to do a product test series.
0: Rotations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they
1: have like listing fees and mm-hmm. they're not going to go like, even if you pay us, we're not going to put, it's, it's a real estate business. It's Correct. Like, yeah. So that's what Loblaws was in it, like initially, right? It's like they're in real estate. They own the building. So you have to prove that, like, people are going to come and visit you and bring more money into their store. So we're in the middle of two of them right now, and Loblaws is launching this weekend. But bigger chains aren't what you go after. Like, that that was never, like, my – I don't say it was my vision, but of course it was. But I also realized how significant and how important everyone else was in building that, right? It's, it's the people that will – Take their product into their store, and they have one location, and they talk to everyone about your story and your brand. People at, you know, the, I don't want to say this but I don't it on the air, but, like, the bigger chains, it's very hard to find that caring thing. And they have so much going on. So every business is,
0: is a big business. It's big heart. Mm-hmm. Big heart equals big growth. And you know what? I, I understand what you're saying. Um, nothing against Loblaws and being a big chain, <laughs> yeah, don't but but it but it is about reach, right? Yeah, it's about reach, and you have a story and you have a vision to reach as many people as possible. Yeah, and this is part of your distribution strategy. Yeah. and your your goal on your way to your goal to reaching. Um, what you really want to achieve, and yeah. and these big chains, even though it's a rotation, I think that's huge. Like, yeah. you know, it's huge for you to get a rotation with, um, with Loblaws that's launching soon. And so, people that are listening to this podcast, you know, we don't know exactly what stores are going to be at right this second, but if they're in Loblaws somewhere, one of the Loblaws stores, you can absolutely go and check out and see you know, come back snacks, taste the product. And I think that's where... And get your optimum points. <laughs> <laughs> and get your optimum points. But but that's where your story really goes a lot further. Yeah, and
1: it's... And, like, another thing is, even if you sell $600,000 in popcorn, sometimes you can't even pay your rent. Like, people see lots of locations, and like, oh, you must be, like, doing so well. But you have to invest so much in... The company, like once you have distributors, you have freight, um, you have marketing expenses. There's so many things that come along with that. Yeah. Where like we've barely taken a salary.
0: Yeah.
1: And even though we're like almost at a million in revenue, there are so many costs. So yes, law blows. The big chains help with the volumes game. So mm-hmm. to actually pay yourself with like a livable income. Yeah. That's what you have to do.
0: Yeah. You you do have you have to scale right because yeah. yeah. you get your economies of scale. Um, and then you're able to like pay yourself at some point. Um, and that's, and that's really important. So I, I love that you, you see the vision. I, I love that you're taking yourself there, um, regardless of, you know, not feeling like, you know, the big companies have the warm and fuzzies, but that's where people are that are still looking yeah. Or the warm and fuzzies, so. Yeah. No, yeah. they do. They do
1: have the warm and fuzzies, like, for sure. But it's just harder to market that because mm-hmm. you don't have, like, the budget to amplify that.
0: As loud as you possibly yeah. can.
1: Absolutely.
0: But what we're going to do, we've got a loud voice here on Buzzworthy. <laughs> um, so we're definitely going to amplify your voice here. We have lots of listeners across Canada and the U.S., um, that's where over 80% of our listeners are from. So if they order online or they're here in Canada and can visit like a love Law store and participate and get their comeback snacks, um, we definitely want them to find you. So we'll, we'll give you a segment to make sure that you can tell them where to find you. So a lot of companies, you know, have started out as being mission based companies and then you either, you know, you gain capital and then you're like, shareholders are important and you have to, you know, you have to find solutions to them because they're more profit driven, etc. But there's so much research that supports um, businesses that are mission-based and that are doing like true good in the community, they actually become very, very successful. And so I think with what you're doing is staying, you know, staying true to your cost, that doesn't necessarily limit your ability to, to become this huge company. Like you said, like, our mind has no, no limitations. And I think as big as you want Comeback Snacks to be is as big as it, it would become and whatever, whatever else comes along with the popcorn and how you start to diversify the snack in areas that you get into. But your next big step, which is, I mean, serving the U.S. market. Do you currently serve the U.S. market?
1: And even like international. Mm -hmm. So when I was on parole, I couldn't leave the country, but that didn't mean I couldn't research other organizations around the world that were doing like similar things. Yeah. And that was another kind of building block to why I knew that what I was doing had some merit because I was reading about all these other stories and I connected with those founders um Mm -hmm. Cos Marte from Conbody in New York he started like a, a gym because he taught people how to work out in prison and then my friend Sherry Garcia she uh she was in jail and she saw the same kind of unfairness with employment and like how all this talent was being missed just because you got arrested for drug dealing doesn't mean you're a bad business person. doesn't mean you can't work in business it means you are one it was just illegal right doesn't mean like you you know negotiation you know enforcement you know numbers right you you know how to like hire staff and get people to run shit for you yeah so it, there's a lot of the like the building blocks to business
0: mm-hmm. that transitional find- skills yes transitional skills. Yeah. yeah
1: and so again yeah reading those things also helped me and
0: mm-hmm.
1: so yes us absolutely and then I mean, for anyone that's made a mistake, and that's everyone on this freaking planet, comebacks are possible. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And what's the mission behind Comebacks, Max?
1: The mission is, I guess, to normalize mistakes, um, but also find forgiveness, give forgiveness, abandon grudges, and that everyone is worthy of chances, employment, and everyone is skilled and talented, and everyone is capable of love and deserves love
0: hmm And what is Comeback Snacks doing to really see this become a tangible thing that people in the community can see and feel and experience? Are you doing anything particularly for um, for anyone that's been incarcerated before um, to help them kind of transition back into the real world? Yeah, of
1: course. And I think that's even why I'm here right now, right? It's like talking about these things. So it could be in the form of a podcast. It can be in the form of Answering a text message or having an email where people can reach out if they want to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Talking in classes. Um, we've formed really good relationships with organizations that also have job boards for for people. And just going in and talking and just never stop sharing the story and, and like also how it keeps going. Because just because I'm done for all, doesn't mean it's over.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's, it's, not, it's not over. Yeah.
0: No. yeah. It's a real uphill battle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's amazing, and I think um, I'm really happy to help tell your story, and I love the passion you have behind Comeback Snacks, and I love where it's going. It's international. You have big visions, and I can't wait to get a hand on a bag of kernels um, and eat away. Popcorn's one of my favorite snacks, so I'm very, very, very excited to to take some of your product. And where can people order right now? Right now, we are in almost 800 locations.
1: Um, on our website, if you go to comebacksnacks.com, click on locations. You can order online. And, yeah, we also do, like, events and everything like that. But there's, like, one thing that I forgot to mention. And I think it's really important. Mm-hmm. If you look at popcorn kernels,
0: do they look the same to you? No, they're all different. Uh, when they're like this? Um, when they're unpopped? <laughs> when they're unpopped, no, they're they're pretty much the same. They're like cookie cutters.
1: Yeah, so it's like it depends on your environment. It doesn't mean there's a bad kernel right off this right off at the beginning. It doesn't mean it's they're at fault. Like, mm-hmm. but it depends on your environment. It depends on so many factors to determine how you're going to end up. But it doesn't mean that you aren't beautiful and but you still are unique because that's how snowflakes are. They're the same as popcorn. Oh, I love all that. different.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for joining us, Emily. It has been such a pleasure, you know, hearing your story. I learn a different part of it every time we get an opportunity to chat. And I hope it's inspiring to others to see that, you know, creating a community and having a strong support system plays an important role of anyone coming back from anything. And your story about Comeback Snacks and how you developed it, regardless of the challenges you had, whether those were physical challenges, um, I know you'd love to remind the, the listeners that, you know, challenges are only as, you know, big as they are in your mind, and you can overcome everything that you put your mind to, um, with the right support, of course. Um, and it's, it's just a pleasure, and I hope everyone goes and gets some comeback snacks because that's what I'm about to do.
1: Oh, and if anyone needs any help or advice or wants to send me a note, um, my email is Emily at comebacksnacks.com. Because even just a simple sentence can really change someone's life, right? So
0: yeah, please well, reach out. Thanks so much, Emily. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Huge thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in every week to hear about our buzzworthy businesses. Don't forget to rate us on whatever platform you're listening and following us at, at Hamilton Hive on all of the social media platforms. But most importantly, we want to thank our team of dedicated volunteers who make this podcast possible on a weekly basis. So here we go. Cesar Cardania. Khalid Imam, James Clark, Trisha Ford, Ratri Toon, Hirsch Kumar Patel, Fernando Rodriguez, Yvette R, and yours truly, Shalesia Harris. Don't forget to tune in next Monday for a new episode of Buzzworthy.